Indigenomics, Her Many Voices Foundation, Indigenomics. Today, we're going to begin week six of our sessions of Financial Literacy 101. And for those who do not know me, my name is Tamara Kantav. You can call me Miss Tammy. I'm cool like that. So we are going to jump right in because as you know, time is going to fly. So we want to make sure we get every bit of that good information in front of you so you know exactly what to do. So what is today's topic? Building your wealth. It starts with, let me begin by at least sharing my screen. And everyone will let me know if, um, share screen, if everything pops up properly. Uh, here we are. Add to stream, alrighty. Uh, let me open this up a bit. If I can get a thumbs up that everybody is seeing me, then, oh, I didn't realize it was not on the beginning. There we go. This is what I wanted to see. Her Many Voices Foundation presents Indigenomics, Building Your Wealth. Today's topic is about how do we build that wealth. For the last six or five weeks, we have been talking about the money game. We had to at least understand the basic common rules and regulations to this game. We already decided that it is a team sport with you being team captain. And your goal is to make the money, find a team that's going to help you protect the money, grow the money so that at the end of the journey, 30, 40, 50 years later, depending on how early you are actively playing this game, you have a comfortable retirement, okay? And retirement today can be anywhere from 20, 30 to 40 years in retirement. So learning how to build your wealth properly is going to be key to making sure that in retirement, you are living the life that you always envisioned, okay? So now let's just a little review, because we must do that so that we know exactly where we are today. As I said to you before, the law of the universe is key to anything that you want to accomplish. We discussed that at the very beginning. And you're going to see the laws in, at play during this session when it comes to building wealth, because there's the law of the cause and effect at play. There's law of gestation at play. There's law of rhythm at play. There's law of vibration at play, and so on and so forth. So we had to understand that. And so don't forget, that's the beginning of achieving anything in life is learning those laws and how it can apply, be applied to your everyday life. Then we had to go over the actual rules and regulations dealing with money, such as what's the proper way to build a financial foundation. Now, we already knew, we gave the analogy of building a house from bottom up, right? Not from top down. So same with finances. You have to build your finances from the bottom up, which means protection is key. That's the foundation. And investment is the top. That's the roof, right? We talked about that. We talked about the four cornerstones of any financial vehicle. What are they? Can you name them? 
If not, review your notes. Growth, protection, safety, tax advantage. Okay, those four cornerstones are key to a successful financial future. Then what else? We learned about Rule 72. Last week, we talked extensively about that rule where we learned that there are three money concepts that every sucker should know. And remember what we say suckers are, right? The ones who do not have financial education, which is none of, which is not us, okay? Because we have some education, we're just going to add to it. Now, the three money concepts, what were they? Anyone? Compounding interest, the effects of compounding interest on your money, the time value of money, money needs time to grow. So don't start now. I mean, don't start tomorrow. Don't start five years from now. We have to start today as early as possible. And of course, Rule 72, that magic formula that tells us exactly how quickly our money will grow based on the, the amount of interest we are receiving for our savings or investments, right? And we talked about the three ways money grow. Do you remember them? Fixed variable index, the three ways money get taxed. It either gets taxed now, taxed later, or it never gets taxed. Now, those were the basic rules. Then we talked about you have to gain control of your expenses. That means you have to create a budget that fits your lifestyle, not beyond it, but within your means, right? And then we talked about how do you deal with debts, good, bad, good debts and bad debts, really, really the bad ones how to make sure you fling away that player. Because remember, this is an analogy of football, right? Where you are running down the field with your money, trying to grow it as much as possible until you reach the end zone. But if you have debt holding on to you, which is that player that never lets go once he grabs your ankle, you will never actually get to the finish line. You just won't. It won't happen. I've never seen it done unless you were actually at the, at the line itself. And if you're at the line, then I'm sure you've managed debt long time, long ways before that. So that shouldn't be an issue. But debt management, that's your responsibility. Creating a budget and a cash flow, that's your responsibility. Now, the other team members are going to help you grow your funds, okay, so that you can actually build that wealth. Let's see exactly how that happens. Now, everything I've said up to this point was really a review of what we already learned. So let's see what's the next thing, okay? Let, what does this say? Don't judge each day by the harvest you reap or by the seeds that you plant. Now, if you plant apple seeds, you're going to get apples. If you plant orange seeds, you're going to get orange. Now, you can't be planting orange and expect apple or vice versa. Same thing when it comes down to planting your money seeds. If you want a comfortable retirement and you have an idea what that's going to take in terms of finances, in terms of monthly income or annual income, if you want to do that, then planting $10 seeds when you need to be planting $100 seeds or $200 seeds is going to make the difference. You're going to reap what you sow. So this is to remind you, do not look at the harvest and wonder what happened when in reality, you never quite planted the seeds that you needed to plant to begin with. And like anything that goes into the ground, there's a certain time limit it takes for it to flourish, okay? For anything and everything. Money is no different. In order for it to flourish into this beautiful harvest, you have to give it enough time. 
Okay, so this is to remind you that you're going to reap what you sow and whatever you want, you need to plant accordingly to achieve those, that goal. And with the laws and the, the regulations that we've been taught since the beginning of this session, you pretty much are getting an idea what it's going to take, how to calculate exactly what kind of funds you need, what type of interest you need for your money, how much time it's going to take, how much time do you have, and so on and so forth. Okay? So now, how do what we're going to learn today is going to be the, the actual accounts that you can begin to use. And some of you probably have some of these accounts already. I'm almost sure of it. But we're going to go over the actual rules of some of these accounts because that's where the game is either going to be won or lost. If you don't plant what you want, you're not going to get what you need. Now, qualified versus non-qualified. What's the difference? In order for us to understand the difference between the two, we have to know ERISA. ERISA stands for Employee Retirement Income Security Act. It was founded, it was established back in 1974. And it's there to make sure that the workers' retirement income is dealt accordingly, that the big boys are not taking advantage of that retirement income, okay? Now, there are two categories that you will find the qualified, um, the qualified plans under, okay? They're either going to be defined contribution plans or defined benefit plan. Now, what is non-qualified? Non-qualified is anything that does not fall under the ERISA Act, okay? And they are usually used for executive bonuses. So those plans are put together for those executives, all right? And they do not follow the regulations of ERISA. And again, ERISA means Employee Retirement Income Security Act back in 1974. So what any plan that most of us have based on our employer is going to fall in under the qualified plans. And these are some of the uh, features of these plans. The, the, the contribution that goes into these plans are pre-taxed, okay, which means you haven't paid tax on them, right? And a lot of us are already aware of that, which is why we like these types of plans, because we avoid paying Uncle Sam its taxes, right? They are now, after putting in the income, the contribution, you have the money is growing inside these account tax deferred. What does that mean? It means you are deferring the tax to tax later. Remember, there are three ways money grow. Tax now, tax later, tax never. Tax deferred is another way of saying you're going to pay taxes on this later. Okay. Some of the most common examples of qualified plans is the 401k. Right? There are 403b. There are 457, there are a few, including the IRA, Individual Retirement Account. Now, these plans also have limit, okay, contributions limits, annual contribution limits. So depending on which one you have, it will determine exactly how much money can you put into it on an annual basis. And not a penny more will they allow you to put in there, all right? It offers a variety of features and benefits. These plans are constructed with the employer at the helm, and they are being guided by the rules of ERISA. So there are some things that they cannot change. 
okay? It's part of the rules, such as they have to provide you with some workshop to explain to you exactly how these plans work. You know, those are the basic features. The money in all these plans go in as tax, uh, pre-tax, so the money that's going to grow into these accounts are going to be tax deferred. And depending on exactly which account that your employer set up for you, that's going to determine exactly what kind of contribution you can make, what kind of tax treatment it's going to have, and so on and so forth. So that's qualified versus non-qualified. Anything you put into the these accounts fall either into either one of these categories, okay? So now let's look at some of these categories to see exactly what it is. Let me make sure. All right. Now, remember we talked about the three or the four cornerstones of any financial vehicle. Now, here are a few financial vehicles. At the very top right here, what you're looking at are the stocks. This is the line for the stocks. This is mutual funds, and this is variable annuities. Stocks, as you know, is as simple as it gets. If you own any Amazon stocks, Apple stocks, uh, you know, Best Buy stocks, if they're individual stocks, you may believe in the company. I wish, I know most of us wish we had some stocks in the, what you call it, in Zoom, right? Because during the pandemic, Zoom stocks skyrocketed. If you had a few of those stocks, you might be sitting pretty today. But those are individual stocks. Now, what does this line tell you? Remember, there are four cornerstones. Just looking at this figure here, what you're seeing is that there are two ways your money can go. It can either grow exponentially or it can you can lose just as much. So in here, you see that you do have growth, which is one of the cornerstones, but you do not have safety. Okay, These three categories, mutual funds is another one. What are mutual funds? Mutual funds are a group of stocks, okay, that they can be anywhere from money market instruments, bonds, individual stocks that are grouped together, and a pool of money comes into it, and investors are all putting in what they believe is going to make it. You have all of the stocks that you can possibly want to have in that in those funds. And why it's different than the regular stocks is that if an Amazon stock in mutual funds happened to tank, but you might have Apple stocks going up. So you have a variety of stocks that you diversified. That's the best way to say it. You have diversified your funds. You don't focus on just one stock. You focus on several stocks to make sure that you are in the game no matter what happens with the, with the stock market. Variable annuities. Now, remember the word variable. We saw that. How does money grow? Variable. Whenever you see variable, that's the up and down of the stock market. Same again. You have the potential to make a lot of money, but you also have the potential to lose a lot. And what are annuities? Well, annuities are another financial instrument to make sure that you receive a payout for as long as you live. They are insurance contracts between you and insurance companies to guarantee an income for the rest of your life. So in other words, life insurance, typical life insurance is, is, is uh, set up in case you die too soon. Annuities are structured and set up 
in case you live too long. Because if you live too long and you don't have enough savings to stretch out your retirement, you might have a problem. Annuities cover that. They make sure that that, does, that is not the case. Now, how much income do you receive? Now, that comes with education. Which one would you want? Depends on the expenses that you're expecting to have when you get older in retirement. So that's variable annuities. Now, as you see these three, you have potential for a lot of growth, potential for a lot of loss. Now here, you're looking again for all the four cornerstones. You cannot recognize two cornerstones out of the four. You can't tell if there's protection in these items, and you can't tell if there are tax advantage features in these items, but immediately you can tell that there is growth, and here there's no loss. You don't see a loss in any of these products. So certificate of deposits, CDs, you can gain a little bit of interest. Definitely there's no loss because there's nothing but safety in those CDs. Money market accounts. They are just another savings account with a little bit higher interest than what the typical savings accounts offer. Again, you see it's a little bit more of an interest gain. Definitely no loss. If you want to do a little bit more savings and receive a little bit higher interest, then you might want to open a savings account. That may offer you a little bit more interest than the money market. You have to decide where you want to put your money. The banks will determine exactly how much interest they are willing to give you for your money. But you have a say in this. You can negotiate these things with these banks, even though you think you cannot. You can if you have enough, if you're bringing enough business to them, they may decide to give you a little bit more interest for your money. But most of these accounts, savings bonds, again, bonds, whenever you see the word bonds, it's an IOU. So look at it as an IOU between a lender and a borrower. If it's a savings bonds, then most likely the borrower is the bank and the lender is you. You open a savings account, whether it's $5,000, $10,000 savings account, savings bond, you're lending this money to the bank and they are going to be repaying this money with some interest. That's what the bonds mean. Anytime you see bonds, it's an IOU. Now, we talked about what the annuities are, right? In case you live too long. Variable annuities mean it can go either way. You're in it to win it, right? Fixed annuities means that they are fixed interest on the annuity so you know exactly what you're going to be getting and how much that's going to double based on rule 72 you're going to know that and again there's no loss fixed indexed annuities shows you that's why this line is is white it never stops it's uncapped it's not fixed the index in the name tells you that it is following a particular index such as the S&P Credit Suisse or the Hang Seng. The Credit Suisse is the European market, the Hang Seng is the Asian market, and S&P is the American market, right? So if it has the word index in it, it's tracking a particular index, and then it's crediting your account accordingly based on the cap, or in this case, there are no caps for the fixed index annuities. Now, it had to give you an example of what some of these accounts are called, right? But any one of these you can decide to, to, to save in. You just have to know exactly what you're getting back in return. So what else? 
is there. The next one, here, are the, here they are. The employer-sponsored retirement plans. We've mentioned before, qualified plans fall under two categories, defined contribution or defined benefit. Defined benefit or the, the traditional pensions, which most of us have come to know or we realize are no longer. There are many, many, many uh, uh, corporations have stopped offering pensions. You're not going to find pensions. What they do offer is a 401k, which is the defined contribution. In this example, only the employer is contributing towards your retirement plan. In this example, you have either the employer and or you contributing towards your defined contribution. Okay. Now, here are some of the examples. The 401k that you see here, the 403b, the 457, these are all tax codes, IRC, internal revenue codes. The 401k is typically, it's typically involved with private corporations. So if you, if you are working for a private corporation, most likely your defined contribution is going to be a 401k. If you're working for a non-for-profit, a school, church, any one of these is going to be called a 403B. If you're working for a city, whereas maybe the bus, uh, the mass transit for the city of New York, then you're probably going to have a 457. All these numbers are simply IRC codes, internal revenue codes, and they go based on the industry that you are working for. 401 is private, 403 is done for profit. 457 is government. TSP is also government, but it's federal. You will come across several of these names as you go through life trying to figure out where to put your money. Do not get distracted by what the numbers mean. The numbers are simply a way for IRS to understand exactly how they're going to tax your money or not tax your money. Okay. Most of these plans have specific rules that you cannot overlook. And that's where you are going to really determine exactly how well your money is going to do based on how these rules are going to work for you. For instance, there's a rule called 59 and a half. Most of us are familiar with that rule, which means that your money is going into your account. It's growing for retirement. It's because it's for retirement, you cannot touch that money before age 59 and a half. And if you do, you will be hit with a penalty for touching it, a 10% penalty. Plus, at that point, you will be paying taxes. Most of us believe that these plans, you can't avoid paying taxes at, you know, forever. That is not the case. Okay? You cannot avoid paying taxes in any plan that is under a qualified name. If it first thing you got to ask whoever is offering you these plans, is it qualified or is it non-qualified? If they say qualified, you're not going to be paying taxes today, but you will pay taxes sooner or later. And when Uncle Sam thinks that you've sat on this money long enough, they will pull out the next rule that you have to know about qualified plans, the 70 and a half rule also known as required minimum distribution. If you let 70 and a half, if you're 70 and a half, 
Your birthday is around the corner, six more months before you turn 71. If you have not begun to take out money, receive distribution from these plans, Uncle Sam will tax you. First, it will penalize you, not 10%, like the 59 and a half rule goes, but it will penalize you 50%. So let's say you have a million dollars sitting in your IRA account and you just know and you don't need it and you don't, you know, you have other means. You have social security, you have the pension, you have other investments, you have property, whatever, and you don't need the money in your IRA account or your 401k or your 403b. These are all qualified plans. And you think that you're just going to let it money sit and when the time is right, you're going to be able to pass it on to your next, your, to, your, to your kin. Well, by the time you reach 70 and a half, Uncle Sam will take $500,000 of it overnight. Overnight, you have gone from a million dollar account to $500,000. That's the first hit. The second hit is you thought you were avoiding taxes. No. Remember, tax deferred accounts which are for, which fall under qualified plans, just mean exactly that. You are deferring paying the taxes till a later date, okay? You are not avoiding paying taxes altogether. Now, do you think Uncle Sam will let you do that? You think Uncle Sam will allow you to not pay him his taxes because of what? Exactly, that's not happening. And so that's the rule 70 and a half. Now, other features that these plans have besides the 59 and a half and the 70 and a half, those are the two main important rules. You, I heard you, I, you heard me say tax deferred means you are not avoiding taxes forever. You're avoiding taxes when you put money in. But the second you start taking money out, Uncle Sam will take his share. Okay. Money in those accounts are protected from creditors. So if you are, if you haven't quite managed those debts we talked about, and now you are beginning to withdraw money from one of these plans, they are protected from creditor. So creditors should not have access to any money that comes through your retirement plan. Okay. Um, so those are some few. Now, the next thing you have to know, they all have contribution limits. Every single plan typically have a contribution limit. You may have savings account in the banks that you can put as much as you want. But when it comes to retirement plans, there's an annual contribution limit. Okay. So now the 401k, the 403b, the 457. Okay. They all have a $19,500 annual limit. If you up to age 49. So as long as you are 49 and under, the maximum amount of money you can put inside one of these plans on an annual basis is 19500 A lot of us have several jobs, maybe two or three, and they all offer us a 401k. It does not mean that each 401k plan has the $19,500 limit. No. It means combined, it has to have a $19,500 limit. So if you happen to be working two jobs regularly and they both offer you 401k and you're willing to put $10,000 in one account, well, the maximum you can put in the other one is $9,500, okay? And if you had three 401k plans that you are contributing to on an annual basis, 
Well, you have to do the math, divide it by three, and figure out exactly what each account can receive. But you cannot go over 19,500 up to age 49. Now, beyond age 49, as soon as you turn 50, they'd allow you to put in an additional $6,500 into those accounts. So way to see for those who realize that they didn't quite put enough savings in their retirement and they have to do some sort of like a catch up. So you, they'll allow you to start catching up by adding an additional $6,500 into the account as of age 50. Okay. And that brings your total to $26,000 annual after age 50. Those rules, you have to rec you have to know them. Okay. So these 401k plans, these qualified plans, they have a contribution limits of 19,500 before age 49, up to age 49. And after age 49, as of age 50, you can put as much as $26,000 annually. And that goes for whether you have four or five different 401k plans, they cannot exceed those contribution limits. Now, SEP, simplified right here, simplified employee pension plan, right? That, those are for those who have small businesses. Their contribution limit is $57,000 a year, okay? So you decide if you want to max it at $57,000 a year or not, but that is the maximum amount of funds you can contribute towards SMP, SEP. There are no catch-up opportunities with the SEP. So when you turn 50, they're not going to allow you to contribute anything more. It's going to stay at $57,000 for the year. Again, same thing, whether you have three or four different businesses where you have set up this SEP, the combined amount cannot exceed $57,000. That's the limit, you know, no ends if or, or how. But 59 and a half also apply with this rule. You do not begin to withdraw your money. You, you, you decide to withdraw some income or take a small loan from your SCP before your 59 and a half, you will be hit with that penalty and taxes, okay? The reason you see tax favored at the very top is that money going into these accounts typically can be seen as tax deductible. So you're winning all kinds of ways. You're not paying taxes on the money that you're putting in. And you are also, you know, have a larger contribution limits if it's the SEP. And you don't have to worry about when or how the money is growing. It's growing the same way as the variable account. If the money goes up, if the index accounts are going up, you are also getting higher income. If the uh, stock market is crashing, you are losing money. Okay. The simple IRA, that limit is $6,000 a year. It's the least amount that if you're trying to save money for a retirement plan, I believe the IRA is the one with the less, the least amount of contribution that they would allow on an annual basis. 6,000 up to age 49. And you can add an additional thousand if you turn 50 and you're trying to catch up. That's it. So the most you can put in a simple IRA is $7,000.
and you have up to $6,000 you can put into it on an annual basis. Same rule applies. You can have several IRA accounts combined. They all have to add up to six to $7,000 depending on your age. Okay. Um, so those are the key to these retirement plans. Whatever the name is, everyone has a different name for their retirement plan. That doesn't matter. What matters is, is it going to get taxed now, later, or never? And if they fall under the defined contribution plans, they are going to get taxed later, which means you can end up paying a lot more taxes on your savings, on your retirement funds than you realize. Some of these names, you know, are just, again, they're just the names of different plans that is being offered by different companies but they follow the same rule. The ERISA guide dictate exactly how these plans should be and who's making the money off of it. So this is an example of a few of the plans. And since the 401k is the most, uh, it's the one that's most familiar to most folks is why we talked about it a little bit more, but the 403b, the 457, the TSP, all of these plans, you know, work the same different contribution limits, your job is to know what those contribution limits are, okay? It's not for the next person to know it. It's for you to know it and use it accordingly, okay? Now, now that you, have underst now that you understand a little bit about how the, um, the plans work in terms of the rules that are associated with them, 59 and a half rule, 70 and a half rule, the RMD, tax deferred, Okay, contribution limits. You have an idea that these plans have these things attached to them. Your job is to know exactly what they are. Okay, and don't forget them. But there are threats to building that financial future that all of us need to conquer. Okay, while we are looking to make these changes with our financial uh, portfolio, we have to be conscious of procrastination. Okay. We talked about the time value of money last week, which means that money needs time to do what it does, right? The sooner you, you can begin to put money into an account, the better it's going to perform. We can't say it any planner than that, any simpler than that. You have folks who are looking to start a retirement plan and they are actually at the, the door of age 65. They are turning 65 in a couple of months and they want to now contribute towards a retirement plan. Okay. And they're thinking they're going to retire in the next couple of months or in the next year or two. It's not going to happen. Okay. Procrastination. Get that out of your vocabulary when it comes to money. You need to start putting something away right now. It doesn't matter what it is. 10. $20, $30, $40, $50, $1,000, it makes all the difference. The other uh, threat to building wealth, wealth is inflation. Okay? Now, if you're thinking that you need to have approximately a million dollars in retirement to have a comfortable retirement, beware of inflation. What's inflation? The cost for items, right? I first came to this country of Back in the 70s, a pizza was about 70 cents, not even, 
I believe it was like 50 cents a slice. Today, you're paying almost $3 a slice. Okay, gas. Let's not even talk what the price of gas was in the 70s. Today, you're paying almost four, nearly $5 for a gallon of gas, right? So inflation is the thief that is going to eat up your money. So if you were thinking a million dollars is the goal, and you're thinking, you're thinking you're going to retire in 25 years or so, because you have to start early. I hope you're not thinking of retiring in two years, and this is when you're thinking of, like we just said, procrastination is not going to work. You have to give yourself some time. So you're already looking at 25 years from now, I am going to retire, but inflation is going to steal some of my money. So what do I need? I need to look at building up a nest egg closer to $2 million because if the average inflation rate hovers around 3% interest, anything that where anywhere you put your money for growth where you are not getting at least 5% interest, you're losing, okay? Because that 3% inflation is going to go to inflation. All you're going to be left with is 2% growth. 2% growth, you put it under rule 72, that's 2% interest. 72 divided by 2 is 36. So at least every 36 years, your money is growing. If you thought you were going to get the whole 5% interest, you can't because inflation is going to eat up the first 3%. So your job is to always stay ahead of inflation. And inflation pretty much hovers around 3%. Okay, it could be more depending on the item, but it hovers around 3%. So your goal is to always find something at least 5% or better. Okay, so that you can see some growth in your money. So that's the first two um, threat to building your wealth. Losses is another one, and taxes is the last. Now, when it comes to losses, Let's review what we learned the very first time that we did this, when we talked about the rules, the regulations, how money works. We showed you that the impact of loss of losses in your to your accounts is large. It's huge if you do not see this example the way it's presented to you. You have a $10,000 investment. You went to bed last night. You woke up this morning and you found that 50% of that $10,000 was lost. The market tanked 50%. Overnight, you went from $10,000 to $5,000. The next day, you go to bed, you wake up. Tonight, you go to bed. Tomorrow morning, you wake up and you, heard, and you hear that the market gained 50% again. It, bounced, it lost 50% the day before. And today it gained 50%. Most of us will think that we have made, we're even. We lost 50, we gained 50. Easy peasy. But look at this. To get back to $10,000, would you need a gain of 50% or 100%? But those of us who think 50% gain will do it, look at, the, look at the picture in front of you to your left. 50% of 50 or $5,000 is $2,500. You add $2,500 to the $5,000 that you're left with after you lost $5,000, you have a total of $7,500.
But the day before, two days before, you had a total of $10,000. So you're still short $2,500 to be even. In order for you to have gotten back to where you started from, if tonight when you go to sleep, you got to pray really, really hard that tomorrow you wake up and the market has rebounded 100%, which is very, very, very rare. I really don't think that that, that can ever happen. But that's what it's going to take. And if it happens, then you're back to where you started from. If not, it's going to take some time for you to finally get back up to $10,000 where now you have reached where you started and now you can continue to grow your income. So the best thing for you to do is to make sure that you avoid loss as much as possible. Okay? Because what did Warren Buffett say? Did you hear this guys? This is New York for you, right? Did you know I'm in New York? Well, this is the sound of New York. I uh, apologize if it's coming across a little too loud. I should have known that I was going to get a, you know, a sign that I was in New York. So now, if you thought that you were going to get the $50,000 or $100,000 gain, it doesn't happen often. It rarely happens, okay? So your job is to never, ever, ever lose money because Warren Buffett said this. Rule number one when it comes to investing your money or savings your, saving your money is never lose money, okay? That's the first rule. Cannot afford to lose your principal. Okay, what's rule number two is never forget rule number one. Okay, that's Warren Buffett. That's his uh, that's his little nugget for all of us when it comes in. He is the man who, if we want to understand investment, how to just invest a little bit and get a whole lot, that's the man to follow. So don't forget that rule number one and rule number two. Never lose money. And never lose your principle. And rule number two is never forget rule number one. Okay? Because of this, what you're looking in front of you, what you're seeing in front of you, takes money a long time to get back to where it was. Don't believe the hype that you will be back to where you started overnight because the market is doing is doing better these days. Yeah, but why not start? Why not keep the 10,000 and keep growing? Why do I have to go down to 5,000 and go back up? I'd rather hold on to my $10,000 gain or $5,000, you know, whatever gain it was. Okay. I'd rather hold on to that completely versus losing some just to go back up. So that's the other threat to building wealth, losing the impact of loss. The other uh, impact to losing, to building your wealth is that taxes. Okay. The impact of taxes now. We talked about the four cornerstones, right? We mentioned safety and growth. We saw that with the chart that listed all the different types of accounts, their names with the mutual funds. We saw which one can gain and we saw which one can lose, which means there's growth, no safety. We saw another host of accounts that has the gains, but it has no safety, but it has the safety, okay? But what about the taxes? Okay, when do we realize, or we does the vehicle that we're putting our money into, does it have the third cornerstone, which is tax advantage? It's attached to the actual accounts. If you own stocks or bonds, mutual funds, savings accounts, certificate of deposits, also known as CDs, 
if you own any of these types of accounts, whatever gain you have made from the stock market ups, you will be taxed on those gains. These accounts are taxed annually, okay? They are not taxed, you know, later. They are taxed on an annual basis, right? Now, the tax later accounts, these are the accounts that most of us have our retirement plans in. They are the traditional IRAs. They are the 401ks, the 403bs, the annuities, the pensions, the TSP accounts, okay? These accounts have what you see here called tax deferred. You don't pay taxes when the money goes in, but you certainly will pay taxes when the money begins to be taken out. No way to avoid it. And you will be paying the taxes based on your income, your current income rate, okay? Most of us believe that we are going to lose or we're going to lower our income bracket as we get older, okay? That is not necessarily the case. 90% of the time, that is not the case because the cost of living does not become less as we get older. And so the income that is going to require for you to continue to have the lifestyle that you've gotten accustomed to is going to put you basically at the same income tax bracket that you were in when you were working. So don't believe the hype that you're going to be at a lower tax bracket when you retire so that you don't have to worry about paying the taxes with the stimulus packages that we are having, with the infrastructure bill that looks like it's going to go through. These are expenses that the government dishes out and we pay back through taxes. So you have to ask yourself, are taxes going to be lower when I get older or are they going to be higher based on all these expenses, the cost of living? So you guessed it. Taxes are definitely going to be higher and your income tax bracket is going to be based on that. Okay. So these accounts, you got to be careful with. And then you have the tax never account, which is the Roth IRA. Now, what's the difference between the Roth IRA? They have a different income tax, uh, annual contribution limits to take one. The annual contribution limits for a Roth IRA, if you're single, is between 125000 to 148000 If you are single, okay, those who are single and make beyond an annual income, of 150 plus cannot afford, they will not be eligible to open a Roth IRA. Roth IRA is not for everyone. You will be better off opening a traditional IRA, no matter how much money you make annually. They don't care, but the limit to a traditional IRA is six to $7,000. If you're looking for something that could take more, the Roth IRA is the same limit as the traditional 6,000 to 7,000. You can't put no more than $7,000 into a Roth IRA if you're over 50. And if you're under 50, you can't put no more than $6,000. That hasn't changed. But what is different between the Roth IRA and the traditional IRA is the tax advantage. The Roth IRA, there is no taxes to be taken. So that rule 70 and a half that you have to be weary about when it comes to the 401k, you don't have to worry about Roth IRAs. There's no 70 and a half rule to contend with, but there is a 59 and a half rule. So you cannot take money out before you're 59 and a half with the Roth IRA 
just like the traditional IRA, but the 70 and a half rule does not apply for the Roth IRA. And if you are single, I mean, if you are a couple, you can put anywhere from about $140,000 to $190,000, a little under $200,000 is the maximum income you can make to be able to qualify to open a Roth IRA. So for doctors, engineers, lawyers, there's a group of professionals that make more money than for them to qualify for a Roth IRA. So they can't even qualify for it, but they can open a traditional IRA, but the traditional IRA does not offer the tax benefit. So what do you do? Well, you look for other vehicles that offer the four cornerstones, right? Permanent life insurance is one of those vehicles, accounts that offer the four cornerstones of, of any savings, okay? There's growth in life insurance policies, depending on which one. There is safety in life insurance policies. There is tax advantage in life insurance policies. And depending on which policies you have, also there's a protection feature, okay? So you have the four cornerstones are found in permanent life insurance. Not temporary life insurance, but permanent life insurance. And then you have municipal bonds. Municipal bonds do not have the benefit of protection, and they do not have the benefit of the growth, okay? The municipal bonds typically give you a fixed interest, okay? Remember, fixed does not give you much. Index gives you. In the college savings plan, like the 529, a lot of us have children that we're saving for their future college expense. The maximum that you can put in a college saving plans on an annual basis is $15,000, okay? And depending on where you think your daughter or son is going to go to college, you might need to start saving that, putting a college saving plans together very early so that you can take advantage of that tax benefit when it's time to start withdrawing money for your daughter's education when they reach college or your son's education, you can avoid paying taxes. But the problem with the college savings plan, if your daughter or son decide that they do not want to go to college, they have a different idea. They want to open a business straight out of high school. That college savings plan will now be taxed if you are passing that money to them to start their business. It's, it has to be used strictly for education. It cannot be used to open a business. It cannot be used for a down payment on a house. None of that can come into play. The college savings plan is strictly for college expenses. Okay. And that's when you take advantage of the tax, the tax, um, tax advantage uh, feature of the college savings plan by making sure your daughter or son goes to college. Okay. The beauty about this all, if you have more than one, uh, if you have several children and the first one that you thought was going to use the college savings plan uh, decided that they didn't want to use it because they want to open a business where well, you can put that college savings plan under your second child's name. And so you can still enjoy the benefit of it. But if you start taking that money out and it's not being used for education, Uncle Sam will come tax you. Okay, because it's strictly for a savings plan. There are a host of other types of vehicles that you can use to achieve the goals that you set for yourself. But the, the key is understanding those rules. The key is knowing the limitations. The key is understanding what cornerstones do each of these vehicles have. 
Do they meet all four or is it just two out of the four or just one out of the four? And when you know that information, you would have to decide, do you still want to do business? Do you still want to put money in those accounts? Okay. That's what you do on the team. You, the final decision is yours. Okay. But these are the rules. Learn them so that you can make the decision when the time comes to benefit you and your family and your future retirement. Because I see it. You want it to be lovely. 20, 30 years of just enjoying life, traveling the, the world. You need to have income, guaranteed income to sustain you for that amount of time. And now we are living up to age 120 for those who didn't know. Okay. We are no longer maturing at age 100. They are now looking at us living up to age 120. So now imagine you retiring at age 65 and you all live and you've been, in, you've been retired since 65 and you're 110 years old. If you don't have the guaranteed income, and that's what annuities are for. Okay. Annuities are, are, were established especially strictly to help those of us who might have longevity sustain our livelihood while we are living life. We can't afford to be destitute and we still have five, 10 more years of living to do. Okay. So now that you know the rules, now that you know what qualified and unqualified means. Okay. When it's something is not qualified, not qualified plans, it strictly means that you've purchased this plan after paying taxes on the money. So when you put it into an account, like these um, executive bonuses, you're not going to seek non-qualified plans everywhere, but the executive bonuses that are being offered to the big honchos, okay, they are paying for it after paying taxes on their income. So now the money that grows in that account is tax free. Okay. That's the difference. That's all you need to know. Basically, when it comes to the difference between qualified plans versus non-qualified plans, ERISA is the guideline that dictate what is what. Okay. You, you know, the names of these codes, you know, the 401k, these codes are simply IRC codes that tells them that tells the IRS exactly how they're going to tax your money either now, later, or never, you know that loss is an important feature you have to stay on top of, as well as inflation. Your job now is to see and review your portfolio to see how many tax now accounts you have, how many tax later accounts you have, and how many tax never accounts you have, and where most of your money should go into. Okay? So now that you've gotten this, the four disciplines that promote wealth building is what we said before. Save regularly, okay? And you start now by automating direct deposits. Make it a way that the money is coming directly from your check-in or savings account into a vehicle that offers a lot of benefits, the four cornerstones. But next, don't touch your savings until you reach your goal. What is that goal? Only you know. Okay, we all have our goals, set them, look at them and keep track of what you're putting in and do not touch it until you reach that goal. What next? Review those goals and progress at least once a year. If goals work the way they should, you're making progress towards them. And at some point you've reached that goal and now you set another goal, long-term goals versus medium-term goals versus short-term goals. There's all sorts of goals that we have to keep track of. 
reviewing those goals on a regular basis to see are we on track? We asked that question last time. What will your savings, retirement savings pay you in retirement? Are you saving enough for your retirement and are you on track? You gotta keep reviewing those rules, those portfolios to see if you've done it. And then you make adjustments as your life and finances change. You started off as a single person, now you're married. Five years later, you have a child. Another two years, you have two children. You, and it keeps growing. So these adjustments, you have to stay on top of them and you have to re-strategize your portfolio to accommodate those changes. That's the discipline that we all need to be, to be assured of that wealth, building that wealth. And the last two, you have to do with a financial professional, okay? You have to be able to, to um, verify that the tax laws, the interest and everything else is keeping up with what your goals are and you can't do it alone. You need a financial professional and that's where I come in. Okay. I can be contacted at the information you see Tammy at hermanyvoices.org 646-796-5713 or 720-404-9037. If you have any questions at all, you make sure you reach out to me at that email or give me a call and I can help most likely help you to figure out what it is that you need to figure out. So if we have any questions, we have just a little under three minutes for that. I need to see if we are, let me do this so that we can figure out. Let's see, it's up 301, 301. Is that it? Okay. Do I have any questions? I'm just looking around to see if I have any questions at all posted. But that's it, everyone. I'm glad you gave me another uh, hour of your afternoon on Thursday. Okay. We will be here next week. Christopher, I have a question. What's the least amount I can invest? I'm out of work and starting over. Well, if you're out of work now, you might have already have something saved from the previous job. You might just need to roll that over into a better vehicle. That's going to give you more interest, more protection, all the four cornerstones. So that may be the first thing you could do. Look at what you have today. What can you do with money? Because all you have to do with money is shift it, move it. Money can't stay in one place. It has to keep moving. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, you know, you start with where you are. If you're out of work, then maybe we can find you something. We can find you an opportunity to get back into the workforce. That's the first thing. And we offer that as well. If you're interested, you can always give me a call and I can show you what that, what I mean. Okay. The least amount based on what your pocket can handle. Okay. In their age, these things matter. Okay. That's why we want you to start doing savings early on in life because it's so inexpensive when you're two weeks old and your parents are doing it for you. than when you're 50 years old and you decided to start saving. That's the bottom line. That's the rules of the game. We can't get around that. You have to give money time. And so, you know, it will make a difference what to put in, but your age makes that, you know, will make that difference. Okay. Is there any more? I see. Uh, that's it, guys. I think we're just under the wire. We are about to come to an end. I do not see any more. Um, 
I was thinking, what is next week's uh, insurance and finance? Right on time. Now, we're going to be talking about insurance and finance, the other instrument that we can use. If you recall, I talked about the four cornerstones. That's That product has all of them in it. Okay? So I'll see you here next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. Review some of that information we went over. Okay, so that you know what, uh, if you're comfortable making the decisions that you make. Okay, so thanks again for your time. Be well. I'll see you next week.